0: legal toolkit with jared korea with guest katie drago a round of philly fanatics and then jared debuts his stand-up routine well not so much stand-up more performance art actually he just cries
1: on stage but first your host jared korea the legal toolkit podcast is upon us Shelter in place, everyone. And yes, it's still called the Legal Toolkit Podcast. Even though I've never even used a pedestal sink slip joint wrench. Honestly, that name is way too long. Stupid and horrible. I'm your host, Jared Korea. You're stuck with me because Ricky Lake was unavailable. She's probably buying hats or something. I don't know. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software, Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads and conversational document assembly tools so law firms can build documents faster and more accurately. You can find out more about Gideon at gideonlegal.com. Now, before we get to our interview today with Katie Durego, a principal of exquisite marketing. I wanted to talk to you about legal tech software. Certainly an interesting time to be in legal technology. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about what I call the big four in legal tech software. Now, I'm not talking about the big four accounting firms. talking about the big four, the main four, the top four softwares you want to be using in your law practice. And this has kind of changed over time for me, as you might expect, because I've been at this consulting gig for quite a while now, something like 15 years. Every day is a joy. But I think it's great that of late, there's been more investment in legal technology than ever before. And that number increases on a year-over-year basis. There's more software products out there than ever before. And there's bigger players out there that never ever existed, especially in fields like the case management space where you've got lots and lots of providers, lots of choices for lawyers. So let's talk about the four softwares you need really to run your law practice. Now, you can and should have others, but these are the four I think almost every law firm should have. Number one, productivity software. Now, when I say productivity software, sometimes people say to me, Jared, what does that mean? Yeah, productivity software is basically your email. So email, calendar, And that's grown over the course of time as well. Like, it used to be I'd have like Hotmail or AOL. I guess this is a lawyer audience, so you may still have Hotmail or AOL. But generally speaking, you had like email tool and a calendar, and that was about it. But over the course of time, those products have added other tools like document drafting tools and spreadsheet tools and note-taking tools and document archives, document repositories. CRM features, team features. So take Microsoft Office, for example, which is what most lawyers are using for productivity software. That's got Microsoft Teams for internal chat, video conferencing, and even phone service. It's got OneDrive and SharePoint for document retention. It's got Dynamics for CRM. There's a ton of stuff in Microsoft Office outside of your standard email and calendar tool. And that's often underutilized by law firms. Why do I pick on Microsoft Office? Because 90% of lawyers, they're using email, are using Microsoft. And if they're not, they're using Google. Google Workspace is Google's productivity software. And you've got the same or similar array of features with different names. Google Docs, Google Drive, Google Meet for video conferencing, Google Voice for phone. There's a lot of stuff packed in here. If you're a law firm, and you're using productivity software, I would say if you have not yet moved into the cloud, please do so, force with. It'll be more efficient for you, it'll save you money, and it'll make your practice more secure in all likelihood. You could move into Google Workspace, they only have a cloud option. And if you've got a traditional desktop version of Microsoft, you would be surprised how much Microsoft 365, which is the cloud-based version of Microsoft, looks like the desktop tools. Trust me, I call it the gateway drug to the cloud because it's the tool that most lawyers use and it looks very similar to what you're experiencing right now. So product number one, you need productivity software. Now, before you go out and buy other stuff, think about what's available in your productivity software. Now, you may not want to use like Microsoft Teams for video conferencing because maybe you prefer Zoom or something else. That's totally cool. You can use that product instead, but before you buy something like that, look in your productivity software, see what we have available to you. Next, number two of the big four, case management software or law practice management software. This is essentially a relational database to help you manage your practice. You've got things organized by cases or matter, and in every item related to that case or matter, you can click on the case or matter See all the items in chronological order from start to finish. Now, the reason I stopped practicing law primarily was because we had these stupid case review meetings like every Saturday morning. And I was like, fuck, I got better stuff to do on a Saturday morning. Scooby Doo is on. I want to sleep in. I don't want to be doing these like case meetings. And a case management software obviates the need for that. You click on a case, you see what's due, you see what's been done. You see when the case is going to close. You don't need to do anything more. You don't need to go through files. As see you what's know, happening on a case, you get instantaneous updates, including for what people are doing within your firm. So I get a lot of lawyers who say, it's all well and good, but I do that through email. But you fucking don't. What you do in email is you organize emails via subfolders. That is not a relational database. Literally, the only thing you're doing there is organizing your email. You're not organizing your documents. That's another silo. You're not organizing time and billing information that doesn't exist in productivity software. You're missing serious components for a law practice management tool in email. So you can't do this via email. And I hope at this point I'm kind of preaching to the choir a little bit because I think hopefully by 2022, Every law firm has at least looked at law practice management software and either bought it or rejected it. So that's number two. Number three, accounting software. It's probably the easiest one for lawyers to manage because they don't like to touch accounting software. Lawyers do not like math, myself included. I took federal income tax in law school, and I think I got like a D. I've never gotten a D in anything in my life aside of that. But I just I don't understand anything about taxes or finances and math. I think this is true of most lawyers. makes me think of the Gerald Ford skit on Saturday Night Live when Chevy Chase was playing Gerald Ford and he's sitting in the presidential debate and he was like, I was told there would be no math. Yes, I was told there would be no math also. I was lied to. There's some math in legal. But you can avoid most of the financial stuff by hiring a bookkeeper or hiring an accountant and having them use an accounting software. The most popular one is QuickBooks. Probably 95% of lawyers use that. Zero X E R O Zero is another popular tool that was built by people from Intuit who are like, ah, eh, QuickBooks not quite easy enough to use. And what's great is that if you're in the cloud for Microsoft 365 or Google Workspace, if you're in the cloud for a case management software like one of our sponsors, Clio, if you're in the cloud for your accounting software like QuickBooks Online or Xero, which is only cloud based, you're gonna be able to connect these softwares together, which is phenomenal. So you can trade data back and forth. That means that you can use something like a case management software to aggregate the data across your entire practice. And as far as the accounting stuff is concerned, push the data on expenses, time capture, billing to your accounting program, and let your accountant, bookkeeper, CPA, take care of the rest. Number four, the fourth software, which has been a recent addition. Up until probably four or five years ago, I would have said there was a big three. Now there's a big four, and a lot of that was driven by the pandemic. You'll remember the pandemic. That was wonderful. Number four is CRM, customer relationship management software. So a customer relationship management software is is functionally lead management software. All this stuff I talked about before, this is client management software for the most part. How do you manage your clients once you get them? But how do you get your clients? How do you manage that process? The answer is mostly that it didn't exist in law firms. So there are heavy-duty, costly, feature-rich CRMs like Salesforce and HubSpot, which you may have heard of. But you're starting to see some law-specific, legal-specific CRMs being created like Lawmatics and Clio Grow and Lead Docket from FileVine. There are a bunch of CRM tools out there, but the idea is you create a pipeline, client journey, intake strategy for how a lead becomes a client of a law firm. So what are the things you need to do you need to take money from people? Great, you got e-payments for that. Uh, You need to schedule appointment with people. Great, you've got automatic calendaring tools for that. You need to get a signature on a document. Fantastic, you have an e-signature tool that does that. Perfect, now get a CRM, set up a pipeline client journey and attach those tasks to that pipeline. You can use an individual person at your firm to manage this manually through the CRM, or you could automate this using the automated workflows that are available in some of those systems. Now you're talking because you're pushing out all this effort to a system, a software, a piece of technology rather than a person saving money, being more efficient, adding clients. I'll tell you like, A lot of law firms are managing intake using spreadsheets. A lot of lawyers are relying on their memory to call people back. It ain't going to happen. You're just letting money flow down the drain. So with a CRM, you can recapture more of that revenue by managing and converting more leads. Now, stitch this all together. You've got lead management. You've got matter management. You've got communication platform. And you've got an accounting software. Who's better than you now, before we get to our marketing discussion with the one and only Katie Drago of Exquisite, let's pass the baton to old friend Joshua Lennon, who has for you this week's edition of the Clio Legal Trends Report.
0: Ever wonder how other law firms spend their money? According to 67% of lawyers, legal practice management software is a key investment. I'm Joshua Lennon. Lawyer-in-Residence at Clio, and this is just one finding from our recent Legal Trends report. If you rely on pen and paper or server-based systems to manage your practice, you may be missing out on billables. Instead of printing and mailing your bills, the right legal software lets you create, edit, and approve bills in minutes. Plus, you can send them electronically and collect payment on the same day. This is just one of the ways in which legal practice management software can simplify your day-to-day. To learn more about what technologies other law firms are investing in, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com forward slash trends.
1: All right. Let's slap some cheese whiz on this cheesesteak. It's time to interview our guest. My guest today is Katie Drago. She is a principal of exquisite marketing, ESQ, is it? Marketing. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So you're a marketing person. Let's talk about marketing. But first, I want to talk about bio pages on websites, particularly yours. What (laughs) What I like about the bio page on your website is you have one of my favorite quotes from Office Space on there. One of the best cult films ever. Can you talk about that? Why you chose to add that to your site? Because I think lawyers should be doing this as well.
2: So I actually added it because one of the attorneys that I worked with years ago at this point said that to me. He's like, you are just the person who gets shit done. He's like, you just do it. That was instantly what I thought of was office space. And when I launched Exquisite and had to write my own copy for my web bio, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pull in some office space right now. I'm going to make this happen.
1: (laughs) And the the quote, would you like to state the quote? I can as well, because it's a great scene from office space.
2: No, you go ahead and say it because I don't have it in front of me.
1: (laughs) So basically, like. Peter, who's the main character of Office Space, is being interviewed about his job. And he doesn't really care about his job at that point. He's basically done. And they say, what is it that you do here? (laughs) (laughs) And you're the person who gets shit done. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I I love when people do unique things with their bio pages. And I think yours is great. People should go take a look at it. Thanks. Um, So you mentioned this. One thing that's interesting is like you were working at a law firm previously. And then you started a business like working as a vendor for law firms, which is an interesting transition to make. And if I've got this correct, you were working in marketing. You were not a pricing attorney yourself. And lawyers can be kind of dickish, let's say, when we've got like (laughs) lawyers and non-lawyers. So like if you're not a lawyer in a law firm, Mm-hmm. lawyers can look down on you, right? And now you're shifting out of the business and now you're a vendor and you're treated differently. It's a, I think it's a tough change to make. So, how did you manage that in terms of working for lawyers and then working with lawyers?
2: So, you know, really as a non-lawyer in a law firm, some people Once they got to know my story that, like, I wanted to go to law school, I took my LSATs, I submitted applications to law schools. And before I decided to incur all that debt, I went and worked in a law firm first to make sure that it was actually what I wanted to do. Once they heard that story, then they kind of started to respect me a little bit more. (laughs) And because I've been just about everything in a law firm except an attorney— You know, I've been a receptionist, legal assistant, got my paralegal certificate. I worked in the accounting department, reconciling trust accounts. Like I've done so so much stuff. You did a bunch of stuff. Yeah. A bunch of stuff in a law firm. And the whole reason why I stick with law is because I genuinely love it. You know, I was a criminal justice and political science major. And being in the marketing department allowed me to stay on top of trends in the law. And mm-hmm. in law firms and things that we're developing, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is do a client alert when the law changes. Like take the law and write <laughs> it for the people who it's going to apply to in plain English. Right, <laughs> right.
1: And why I mean, like, our time with that,
2: right? Yes, <laughs> yes. But that's why you're good at what you do, you know, and I'm good at what I do. So <laughs> like, it's <laughs> it's a good, you know, it's a good system. And now that I'm in this space. People respect that I worked in a huge law firm with a ton of personalities. Like that is one of the biggest attributes that, you know, my clients say is like, well, you can handle just about anything then.
1: Right. Right. So you, you turn that to your advantage for sure. Yeah. Whenever somebody talks to me and they're like, yeah, I didn't actually go to law school or I didn't, pr- I didn't pursue legal as a career. I'm like, well played, because I <laughs> went to law school. And while it is good to a certain extent, it is highly overrated. Let's talk a little bit about what you do with lawyers, because one of the things I, I know you do is you help lawyers develop marketing plans. Mm-hmm. And most of the firms I talk to, their marketing plan is like, let's do some shit we've done before because it seems to have worked, although we have no data or information to back that up. Is that your experience as well? And then how do you build a plan off of that? Like, how do you establish a baseline and then go from there?
2: Well, what I feel like a lot of law firms do is they develop a marketing plan and they kind of half-ass it. And then the plan itself sits on a shelf. They don't look to see if there's any actual... ROI from it at all. Yeah. And I I coined myself, you know, attorneys get to have ESQ after their name. I coined myself the PN for professional nudge. Cause I <laughs> nudge you to make sure that your marketing is getting done because you said it recently that if you are not an active participant in the process, it's not going to work.
1: For sure, so
2: yeah. we work with entrepreneurial attorneys Who run their firms like a business, who understand that marketing is needed, who know that they need professional help with marketing, even if they're interested in it and want to be super involved in it. They know that they need a professional to keep the ball moving forward. Because I don't care if you are all hands on deck with marketing, but if you get slapped into a trial, you know, (laughs) like you're... Your marketing is going to stop if you're the only person in charge of it.
1: Oh, for sure. And like, I I do like to rag on lawyers, myself included, but like, it's without a doubt that lawyers are really high achievers and people who are high achievers like that, like top of their profession, I think they feel like I can do everything well, I can Mm -hmm. market well. And that's true. You can market Mm -hmm. well, but you don't necessarily have the time to do it. And the other consideration is that maybe better for you to spend your time doing other things, like substantive work and making more money. Right, like billing
2: your hours.
1: Right. (laughs) So I think it's great that, like, you work with folks who understand that. And then um, I think the other thing you brought up, which is super important, is, like, this consistency aspect. Like, you see a lot of lawyers who market and then disappear and then market and then disappear. And it's because they've dipped back into substantive work. So having somebody to be a nudge to them is really helpful.
2: Yeah. And the thing that I think we do best is we help manage expectations. So, you know, much like a personal injury lawyer needs to manage the expectations of their client on what kind of settlement or award they'll receive based on the accident that they've had. You know, we manage our attorney's expectations, you know, like you can't you can't start a blog today and, you know, blog three times a year and expect it to be a revenue generator. Just like you can't do one presentation and not follow up with anybody who attended or who wasn't able to make it and expect five phone calls and, you know, new work.
1: Yeah. My wife makes fun of me for using Facebook because like I'm on Facebook like once a year and then I'll like everything for two hours and then I won't (laughs) use Facebook again until the next year. And that's how a lot of lawyers market. They're like, I did marketing today, and I published nine blog posts. Now I'm taking the next seven months off. I'm sure you see that a lot.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and one of the things that I like to remind attorneys of, and anybody who's doing marketing, it's that you don't you don't even have to be an attorney, but stuff doesn't pay off immediately all the time. One of our biggest and best clients that we received called us two years. After they saw Ed present at a solo and small firm CLE in New Jersey, I think yeah. in like Monmouth County or something, he called us two years after that presentation and he said, I have had your handout on my cork board for two years and I'm making the call. And now he's our best, like, I love working with him. He's one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, the sales cycle is long for lawyers. Shouts to Monmouth, New Jersey, by the way. Yeah. I think I saw a dead monkey on the side of the road there one time, but I digress. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about niche practices. yeah. Because I I know you work with niche practices and niche practices are great, not just in legal, but any business. The more you Mm -hmm. niche down, the less competition you have, the more direct Mm -hmm. you can be in terms of talking about your services. A lot of law firms have trouble doing the niche practice thing because they always feel like they're leaving work behind. Because I I don't know about you, but like every law firm I've ever talked to, they've kind of been like, we're out there in the world marketing, and our intention is to get every possible client. And to have a niche practice, you got to think about targeted clients. Mm -hmm. So how do you work with niche practices and how does that change the way they market?
2: So what I tell my attorneys about niche marketing is that you can't be all things to all people because everybody's looking for an expert right? Mm -hmm. Hiring a lawyer is a high involvement decision. You want the person who appears to be the best for that specific problem, and that's going to be your guy, right? I market strictly to lawyers and law firms, but only 70% of my clients are lawyers and law firms because other people who need marketing services who also want to get in front of lawyers and law firms are hiring me. So just Mm. because you're the craft beer attorney- Getting liquor licenses and, you know, helping your brewery clients, you know, manage all of that stuff doesn't mean that you can't also handle their employment law or their buddy's employment law if you are are well-versed in employment law. Basically, your niche is what you push out into the universe for your marketing, but Mm -hmm. all of the relationships that you have, your business development, that doesn't need to solely focus on your niche.
1: I think you make a good point, which is that like just because you have a niche practice doesn't necessarily mean that you can't take on other work or people won't look to you for doing other work. That's an important point to make. I want to talk to you about one more thing. We're in the lightning round now. Okay. Let's do like one minute on your pitch for why law firms should be using CRM software. Because I don't think enough of them do.
2: Okay. So I have a newsletter going out on Tuesday (laughs) and the headline- I'm in your head. (laughs) (laughs) The headline for it is enough of this sheet- because I'm tired of law firms using spreadsheets for their CRM <laughs> systems. Like oh, I enough love a good of the sheet, people. Your CRM system is your inventory of relationships. And if you are a great attorney, you have a ton of relationships with people who are existing clients, past clients, vendors, referral sources, your fraternity or sorority, family. All of those people should be in your CRM system because those are the people who you need to keep top of mind, who know where you are, what you do, and how to get in touch with you. And having those people in there makes all the difference in the world. And I don't care what anyone says, if you are actively updating your CRM system every time that you talk to a client and you can put in there that their dog had surgery, (laughs) Or, you know, their mom had COVID, whatever. And then the next time you talk to them, you could be like, hey, the last time I talked to you, your dog had surgery. How's it going? That makes you seem like the most genuine human being ever, which, you know, newsflash is not the reputation most lawyers have. And it takes virtually no time. You can update it while you're on the phone with the client. How many times have you said, oh, my gosh, so and so he introduced me to that guy who does this thing and you can't remember their information and you don't even know where to begin finding it. So you're doing a search and outlook, which is awful. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you could have a CRM system that says photographer or, you know, is connected to Jared. Jared introduced me to that guy who does really good sound for his podcast. What mm-hmm. was that guy's name? I don't know, but I can look up everybody in my CRM connected to you
1: you called it like an inventory of relationships, I think, right? I love that terminology. Yes. That's a yes. great way to put it. So everybody out there should get a CRM. If everybody out podcast, there should get a
2: CRM and you should have everyone in your CRM. I have a plethora of content on this topic <laughs> on my website <laughs> and on my LinkedIn profile as well.
1: That was a great rant on CRM. Will you stick around for the next segment? I hope you will. Yes, I will. (laughs) Okay. We'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your law practice. Then stay tuned for the rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. Partner with Rankings.io, the marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, Even during off-hours, Rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. Visit Rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Simplify. With Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution everything you need accessible anywhere trust and general accounting is built in so you don't need quickbooks cosmolex's money finder reminds you to bill for work you put into client matters so you don't leak money that's messy lower cost better business and less frustration yes please it's all built in with cosmolex free trial and take 20 percent off your first year at cosmolex.com Visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Welcome back. We're here again at the rear end of the legal toolkit. It's the Rump Roast. It's a grab bag of short form topics. All of my choosing. Why do I get to choose? Because I'm the host. Today, we're going to play a new game I invented just for katie i figured this out earlier this afternoon i'm gonna call it philly fanatics oh boy philadelphia sports fans are crazy as balls i think it's safe to say that and i say that as someone who lives in boston where sports fans can get occasionally lit Um, Mm -hmm. but i feel like philly sports are a special breed of whacked katie would you agree
2: I agree 100% living an hour north of Philly and not being a fan of any of our sports teams. I wholeheartedly this is, agree.
1: This is the best part. You don't even need to know anything about sports to play this game. So, so good. Believe it or not, this is actually the second time we've covered this subject on the show because previously we interviewed one of the creators of the Philadelphia Flyers mascot. His oh. name is Gritty. Have you seen Gritty, the Flyers yes. mascot? Yes. He's like nightmare fuel. The scariest yeah, my kids are petrified of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like everyone's petrified of him, adults included. Yeah. But yeah, he's become kind of a weird Philly success story. So, here's how we're going to play. It's I'm going nice. to talk about some crazy shit that sports fans have done, and all you have to do is tell me whether these were Philly fans or not.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Okay, good.
1: <laughs> all right. We're going to we're going to try and get through 5 of these. Okay. Here's here's number 1. We're going to start off easy. Maybe easy. I don't know. These fans once threw snowballs at Santa Claus. Philly fans or no? Philly fans. Yes. Do you know the story? I don't. Philadelphia Eagles. uh, Mm -hmm. They had a game at their old stadium called Franklin Field. Mm -hmm. And it was like 20 degrees, 30 mile an hour winds. The team needed somebody to play Santa Claus. So they pulled this 20 year old dude out of the stadium and dressed him up as Santa Claus. And people were so drunk and angry that they started throwing snowballs at him and pelted him so much that he had to leave the field.
2: Oh, my gosh. I mean...
1: This actually yeah. happens. It's actually so bad, they call it the Santa Claus game.
2: Ugh.
1: You're one for one. Those are Philly fans. Woohoo. Okay. Here's question number two. On at least four separate occasions, this football team's fans have thrown at least one dildo into the end zone against the same opponent. Are these Philly fans? <laughs> this yes. is also real, by the way.
2: <laughs> yes. I want to say yes.
1: This is actually no. This really? Is, this is Buffalo fans, Buffalo Bills fans.
2: Who were they playing? Who was the opponent? Patriots. Ah, all right. Totally accepted. Okay. Hashtag
1: Bills Mafia. This happened in 2016. In 2017. In 2018. And in 2022.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, Bills fans are crazy. So
2: after Brady left, then.
1: Uh, Yeah, this is a common thing. That's number two. We got number three. Number three. This city had to grease the street lamps so fans wouldn't climb them during victory celebrations. Philly fans, yay or nay?
2: I'm going to say nay.
1: Oh, this is Philly's fans. Oh, see, I wasn't knocking
2: Philly's fans in this one. I was knocking, like, you know, the preparatory... The staff would
1: have to you, grease the- You You were knocking the Philadelphia city government. That's okay. So Super Bowl uh, in 2018, the city of Philadelphia had to smear Crisco on the lampposts so that fans <laughs> wouldn't climb them and destroy things.
2: <laughs> I feel like Crisco should really use that as a marketing a marketing They probably piece. should.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so you're one for three so far, which is pretty good. If we were playing Major League Baseball, that'd be a 333 right, right. average, which is nothing sneeze at. Um, I got number four for you. A fan of this team got a famous running back to sign a urinal that he bought from a decommissioned stadium. Which fan base is this, Philly or not? You don't tell me the fan base, just whether or not it was a Philly fan.
2: Yes, a Philly fan.
1: Not a Philly fan.
2: No, that's a cool thing to have signed, though. I mean, not cool, but interesting thing to have signed.
1: So I'll tell you this the Silver Dome, which is where the Detroit Lions used to play. Yeah. Detroit Lions fan um, auctioned off all kinds of fixtures in the stadium, and someone bought a urinal. And this guy actually brought the urinal to a signing that was being done by Barry Sanders, the oh, famous my gosh. Lions running back. Yeah. And the article on this says, um, Sanders hesitated to sign, but was eventually convinced. <laughs> okay, number five. You're one for four. Here's your chance to resurrect things. Go on a solid two for five. A fan of this team intentionally threw up on an 11-year-old girl while being escorted out of the stadium for unruly behavior. Philly's Philly fan. Philly fan or... Yes. 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 Philadelphia Phillies. Have you heard about this?
2: I I remember hearing about this.
1: <laughs> this is like so gnarly. This guy, like, and and the eleven year old girl was a off duty police officer's daughter. Like, this guy wasn't even drunk and, <laughs> um, and and he made himself throw up on a little girl. That's just so fucked up. <laughs> that is like,
2: what is even wrong? <laughs> Damn it. Uh, This is why I don't bring my kids to Phillies games.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Never bring your kids to a sports stadium, public service announcement. Katie, well done. Two for five, 400 in the rump roast. You are no slouch. Thank you (laughs) for coming in for this segment. Thank you for the prior segment. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.
2: Sounds good, Jared. Thanks a lot.
1: If you want to find out more about Katie Drago and Exquisite Marketing, visit exquisite.com. That is S Q U. I-S-I-T-E dot com. For the people in the back, E-S-Q-U-I-S-I-T-E dot com. See that fine pun there? Exquisite like Esquire. Now, for those of you living in Intercourse, Pennsylvania, who I can only imagine are living a much different lifestyle than those of you in Blue Ball, Pennsylvania, but I digress. I have a great playlist on Spotify for you. Since we talked about the big four software for law firms, I've got some phenomenal tunes from Quartets Only. Quartets need only apply. And yes, my stand-up comedy routine does need a little work, okay? Now I'm going to cry again. Okay, I'm fine now. That'll do it for another episode of the Legal Toolkit Podcast. This is Jared Korea, reminding you that running amok is actually a recognized medical condition in Malaysia. See you next time.